Hey, movie fans, and here it is. We're finally here. The day that, I don't know about you, Josh, but I really never thought we'd get here. We are now at episode 100, and we are live. Josh, how you doing tonight, man? Bro, for something that started as just something that we wanted to do to hang out and talk about movies again to now we're doing the 100th episode of this with a ton of stuff we're going to be dropping today is just it's mind-blowing and i can't wait to see where we go from here also i have energy drink today so we are going to get we're going to be amped all night baby i mean just as long as the stream is up at least <laughs> yeah we're, we're good so far and josh josh you can be amped um i will be amped once i feel comfortable that everything is going it's like the it's like han solo come on baby hold together like i'm not worried about this i'm not worried about a computer wise it's just that almost everything that we do something always goes screwy and it's never good but nope. it it will be this time i'm sure of it um but well this episode will be just like any other except for our main discussion we'll be taking some of the questions that you guys submitted but before we get into anything else uh be free Make sure you're sharing us to those movie fans that you're watching it along with. So, uh, before we go any further, make sure you hit that share button in the lower left-hand corner. So, for our discussion, we'll be covering uh, the question and answers. The questions. We'll be providing our own answers. The questions that <laughs> you guys have been submitting over the past weekend, the past few days. I'm really looking forward to jumping into some of those. Before we get into that, um, Josh, have you been watching anything good lately? You've been experiencing anything good lately? Bro, I uh, I finally logged into your uh, the HBO Max. <laughs> About time. So, I have watched the entire first season of Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Uh, I don't think um, all of it. I don't, is all the episodes there? Or at least like it's like the first four episodes. Or I have watched everything that is available of Lovecraft Country because, boy, I mean, if nobody nobody knew that if I was a Lovecraft fan. Um, I didn't. I no didn't way, know that. Really? I uh, no, dude. This show's so good, and I love that it what it's doing with the lore, and that it's putting its own twist, and it's it just it's very fascinating. The fact that the first episode opens with the main character reading a dilapidated copy of The Princess of Mars, which is for those that don't know, is John Carter. So it was like, oh, that's I like I see what you're doing there. That's I like that connection to Pulp Fiction and oh, oh man, that's cool. But um, yeah, and I watched the first episode of Watchmen, and um, <sighs> boy, I am I'm buckling up, dude. Here we go. <laughs> Watchmen to me is like the example of every once in a while, it is okay to just have one season of television and leave it at that. Like I won't oh, I go agree. into too many spoilers for Josh, but um. I don't want there to be another season of Watchmen. I think it's fine how it is. Um, more than fine. Um, I haven't been watching a ton of new stuff since the last time we were here. Um, college football started, so it means I have stuff to do on the weekends again. Yay! Um, I don't particularly, like, follow a particular team, but that's my job is in that field, so it's nice to... <clears throat> that's not college. It's barely professional boy i gotta tell you my beers they coming through man and i'm 
I hope you know how much I care about you in this pod because the Steelers game is going on right now, and I would – I'm not going to say I would rather watch that, but, like, I would be watching this if it wasn't for this. Who who are the Steelers playing? Yeah, bro. Oh, no, hey, who, look, are the Steelers okay, so, and the Bears playing? So, no, who's yeah. playing the Steelers right now? Uh, The Jets. <laughs> They're a team. <laughs> okay, seriously? You'd rather be doing – you'd rather be watching Steelers and Jets than a hundredth no, no, episode? No, 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 no. I'm just saying what I would be doing if it wasn't for this. That's all. Uh Uh-huh. Although we as a United football fandom can all agree, Mm -hmm. how nice is it that Tom Brady got humbled on Sunday? (laughs) I love all those memes of just like, this is not what I signed up for. (laughs) Hey, man. I've I've been saying. I've been saying. Now we find out if uh, Bilicek uh, was the magic thing or if it was Brady himself. So, Uh hey. Enough about football. So you just really haven't been able to watch a lot because you've been so busy this week. Uh, well, I'm also trying to remember if there's anything that. Um, so Josh and I we ran our test last night. Yes, yesterday to try and like double check to make sure everything for the, this show would be fine. And I'm trying to remember what all I told you then. Um, I saw I told talked about Sleepy Hollow last week. Yeah. Um. Yeah, since then I can't think of anything. I watch Beetlejuice. Um, nice. It's you're getting, you're getting amped for Halloween, huh, buddy? Well, yeah. Also, I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, yeah, Beetlejuice is fine. Um, I don't quite get the fandom behind it. One, because Beetlejuice is barely in the movie, like less than five minutes of screen time. I'm pretty sure we meet him like halfway through. Um, the set design is fine. It's really, really cool. That's just Tim Burton movies in a nutshell of awesome set design and eh movie. But Beetlejuice, it was it was fine. Um, I was watching Beetlejuice because this year at Horror Nights, we were supposed to get a Beetlejuice house. Having seen the movie now, I wasn't the biggest fan of the, the movie, but I like the idea of a house. Of like seeing the movie, I'm like, okay, this would be cool in a haunted house. This would be cool in a haunted house. This okay. would probably be how okay. it would end type of thing. Um, although I will say... About an hour before we were started uh, going live for this, Universal did confirm that we're getting two houses this year for daytime guests, so you don't have to pay extra to go on these houses, just two as opposed to ten, so I will at least have some form of my happiness back. Um, although, Heather and I did go to Universal yesterday and kind of had a, what I called a Halloween horror light, of we found... The, the gift shop that was open for all their stores now, as opposed to just two. They had all four, so we got some more merch. Um, got some pizza fry, pizza fries that we always get, um, which are just a specialty item right now because it's not Horror Nights. But just just nice to get in the horror spirit. And trust me, we have some more horror-related content next month that we'll be dropping some information on about in the discussion. But um, in terms of stuff I've been watching, not a ton. However... Um, we didn't have time to make this a full-fledged topic because it was so late-breaking, so we're going to just go back to the regular graphic for this, but um, I'm sure Josh and I have lots to say about this. It wouldn't be a 100th episode if there wasn't some major, major movie announcement. Um, and Josh, I'm going to kind of give you the the ball on this one because you're going to know more about this guy than I do. Um, so, Lovecraft Country's lead actor... Um, Josh, what's, what's the man's name? 
Oh, geez. Uh, I don't know. Since we're live, I can actually say, hey, let me live Google his name real quick. Uh, um, but, but he's fantastic in the show. Yes, but the the wonderful man, uh, I feel awful that we don't know his name. He's been cast as the main villain in Ant-Man 3, which it hasn't been confirmed yet, but it's been cited from multiple sources that this guy will be playing Kang the Conqueror. Now, Josh, you got the name? Yeah, his name's Jonathan Majors. Yes, Jonathan Majors is. Uh, he is attached to be in Ant Man three, but it hasn't been confirmed yet. But it seems very, very credible that he will be playing Kang the Conqueror. Um, I got a lot of interesting thoughts about this. But Josh, you're the one that has more of the Ant Man and the Jonathan Majors connection here. So uh, why don't you take point on this? I'm trying to. I'm literally googling it because like. Kang is one of those those characters that shows up about as often as Galactus does. Um, so not often. And, uh, and, you know, he's a thing that happens. That's about, uh, that's about all I got for you. But, I mean, Jonathan Majors on the show uh, is incredible. His range is amazing. I've been impressed with him, what, in four episodes? So it's be like... Almost through three, four hours of television, basically of acting. So he's pretty good. Uh, I mean, I'm impressed. But I think I told you too when I was watching it that like I can, I'm excited. I can see this person doing more things. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'm going to put this out there too. Put this out in the universe. Uh, even though she played Black Canary, um, the girl who I'm going to look up, Journey Smollett Bell. Hmm. Journey Smollett. I think it's Bell, or just Journey Smollett. We're really showing how good we are with names on this. Um, well, I have not seen any of Lovecraft Country, so I feel like I get a yeah. pass here. But I, you're good, anyways. But she's she's really good on the show as well, and I'm I'm putting it out in the universe for her to be uh, Storm. Not that I have a big issue with Beyonce being Storm, but yeah. I'll say I have a big issue with her being Beyonce. <laughs> I'll say it. That was uh, that was the eye roll there, bud. Um, so, uh, maybe I was wrong about this, but I thought Kang was one of those Fox characters. Maybe he wasn't, um, maybe I'm getting him confused with the Nihilist, who I know for a fact was a Fox character that they got when they acquired Fantastic mm-hmm. Four and everything else. Maybe Kang wasn't one of those characters, because Kevin Feige seemed pretty steadfast and we're not going to see those Fox characters for a while. Um, nor should we, except for Fantastic Four. Um, but I'm excited but more curious about this so kang for those that don't know is like a big level threat for marvel characters he's there's like kang there's thanos there's annihilus there's galactus there's modok there's like major names in marvel comics and kang is definitely one of those names i'm more just going i thought he would be the next thanos as much as i like the franchise why is he getting introduced in Ant-Man of all things? Like, don't get me wrong. I like Ant-Man, but it's never been where the stakes are the highest or it, it just, it's been very small world as opposed to like a civil war or, a th- yeah, yeah. or some other grander scale, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Maybe they're just introducing him in this, but, I, I don't really know, but this is this is huge. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a big thing because 
I mean, he's the, it, it, to me anyway. It shows the cards a little bit that maybe they're gonna try to go even more, even deeper into like the concept of magic and co- like a cosmic universe as opposed to just this guy who lives somewhere who wants these rocks. So try to expand the world a little bit more, like not just so that it's not just the Guardians of the Galaxy who are going into space and finding. The co- like more about the cosmic universe. It's also like Ant Man. It's still we can go explore it with Thor a little bit now. You know, just just to kind of it it opens up some more storytelling possibilities. I would say. And also, uh, in it would kind of go up with a question that we have for our discussion later. But Kang is more time travel based than Thanos yes. is. Like he messes with the fabric of time, whereas Thanos was very much this current reality and wants to conquer the universe or is Kang is more of a interdimensional like time type threat yeah. which I think it's going to be fun to have a different type of character than Thanos um yeah also it makes me curious um in Ant-Man and the Wasp they were clearly like setting up a bat uh, some other bad guy of like who um oh what's a he was so bland and forgettable, I forget his name. But the guy that kept trying to steal their lab, um, mm. he was clearly working for somebody. So are we still going to get answers on that one? Because some people have speculated that might be Norman Osborn, which would make a lot of sense. Um, that threat feels more normal for Ant-Man, but sure. Maybe it's about time we give Ant-Man some like really big world implications. And I know some people will be like, but he was responsible for the Quantum Realm and Endgame. And just like, he... If you don't see the Ant-Man movies, you don't miss nearly as much as the MCU as some other ones that you're like, you have to see. Don't get me wrong. I like the Ant-Man movies. They're just not high on my MCU priority list. Um, But I know you're more of a fan of it, Josh. So Mm -hmm. at least we're getting a third one. I I honestly didn't think we would be getting a third one. Yeah, I'm just happy to get more Paul Rudd. I, I I'm all about. To me, he's the most up next to Tom Holland. He's probably the most entertaining of the Ven- the Avengers. Everyone else is just kind of like they do their thing and blah 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 superhero. And, 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 and you know, Paul Rudd's like, oh bro, like I'm just happy to be here. Like don't 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 trust Baskin Robbins. Like you know, like it's just more fun. Yeah. So I see. I always see those like Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd doesn't age memes. And one of my friends shared one today. And I don't think I've realized that I have been on this for a little bit, but I, I am. We like to credit like Paul Rudd and Keanu Reeves as the people that don't age. You know who hasn't aged and we don't give him nearly enough credit? James Marsden looks exactly the same as he did in the first X-Men movie today, 20 years later. Like compare James Marsden in Sonic to James Marsden in the first X-Men looks exactly the same. Or those people that uh, grew up watching, uh, what was the Disney movie that he was in where he was a Prince Charming or something like that? Enchanted? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Enchanted? Was that it? I think so. Yes, that was, was. like That was like 15 years ago, and he still looks exactly the same. So, can we can we start giving James Marsden a little bit more credit just in everyday conversation? <laughs> I mean, speaking of, uh, of James, isn't he? No, that's Chris Pine. Yes. Dude, all these guys that don't age all, like, look the same. How is this possible? Yes. Well, we bring up Chris Pine because, oh, 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 watch this pun game. Watch this pun game. Chris Pine 
tree could be a Christmas tree. And Christmas is now when Wonder Woman is coming out, unfortunately. I'm so disappointed in you. (laughs) Please, you know you wish you had that pun. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna claim credit for setting it up. Uh huh. Sure, sure. Um, but um, unfortunately, yet another movie is being delayed. I think there's a bigger reason why. Um, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Wonder Woman was supposed to come out in October and is now being released Christmas Day, which I think also will affect our next topic. But we'll we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Um. This sucks, but it's not surprising to me. Um, does this make Wonder Woman 1984 technically a Christmas movie now? Um, maybe? I mean, Shazam is a Christmas movie. Fight me. Um, so I guess this makes Wonder Woman a Christmas movie now? Uh, I think the number one factor in this is not Corona. It's Tenant. Um, because Tenant is not lighting up the box office. Um, and so I think a lot of other studios are reserved to put their movie in theaters. I know a lot of places don't have theaters yet. Um, but it's a complicated issue of, well, if the theaters aren't open, movies, studios won't put out new movies. If there's no new movies, people won't go out to the theater. It's kind of an awful cycle. Um, and Tenet isn't lighting up the box office. I still have not seen it. I might get around to it at some point, but I think because Tenet and Wonder Woman are by the same studio, Warner Brothers. I think Warner Brothers is seeing the box office receipts for Tenant going, okay, we need to wait a little bit more. Um, I think the big difference, though, is I think one... I wouldn't have thought this at the beginning of the year. I think Wonder Woman will end up being a better movie. I think the reason why Tenant isn't lighting up the box office is not necessarily great word of mouth. I'm not hearing bad things about the movie. I'm hearing awful things about the sound mixing, though, which is ruining the experience for a lot of people of if you have a very exposition and explaining type movie, you need to be able to understand what those characters are saying when they're explaining something. And supposedly movie theater upon movie theater um, is having issues with the sound, um, which makes me kind of wonder if Christian Nolan has a hearing issue because the past few movies he's had has had yeah. some sound mixing problems. Um, yeah. But getting back to Wonder Woman, this sucks because Wonder Woman was like the only one on my calendar right now that was just like, okay, this is still theoretically coming at a given date. Um, now that Candyman also got delayed until an unreleased date, um, no Time to Die, I think, is the only movie now that I can think of off the top of my head that's still coming out this year. And that sucks because the longer we delay new movies coming out, the more it's going to hurt theaters. And I know people don't feel safe going to the theaters. That's awesome. Don't go to the theater if you don't feel safe. Um, do what's best for you. Um, but it's just a tricky situation of the longer we go without new movies, the more it's going to get backlogged down the road. And we're already seeing yeah. that. So. Uh, Josh, do you think this is the final delay, or do you see more delays for Wonder Woman? Um, I would definitely think it's. The, I would hope it's the final delay because, jeez, uh, like, at what point do you just stop? I, like you said, like it. it I mean, at this point, it's not going to have a lot of competition. Um, I also want to say I don't think you know if the sound design or the sound mixing is is something that's affecting. 
um, Tenet. I would also say I don't know if Tenet is exactly a movie that people would have wanted to see, you know, as their first. Mo- I've said it before, said it from the beginning, really. I don't know if Tenet is the movie that people want to see as their first movie fresh out of a pandemic. Um, I do think one of the a movie could it could have been it could have been Mulan, but Disney is deciding to pay thirty, make you to pay thirty bucks instead. And but it's also anyway. bad. And I've also heard it's bad, so that too. I mean, and that's that's fine, but I think it would have done better if it would have been released in a theater. Not mm-hmm. to say that that like negates the fact that the movie isn't amazing or isn't really that good, from what I hear anyway. But I think it would have done better financially. People probably more people would have gone to see it had it been in a theater because that feels more of a guys we can, we're finally out of the pandemic we can go see the movies go see a movie again uh mulan's finally out let's go watch that i just i don't see anybody going hey let's go watch tenet finally um i i was in that thinking okay i'm gonna be super excited for tenet and then i was seeing some of the reviews and the complaints people had and i was like oh maybe not i can wait on this um my big issue is so heather's part-time job is at a movie theater on when she's got free time um and they're they're all but dead and i don't think that's going to improve unless new th- movies show up or they're in this really complicated situation of we have to show these movies like russell crowe's unhinged or tenant or new mutants and i as a movie fan i'm going okay there's only so long you can show these movies before people just don't come so before those new movies were showing up, they had, like, the comeback movies. So, like, how I could see Indiana Jones or I saw Empire Strikes Back in theaters. I want more of those to come back. Like, if you told me Regal or AMC or Cinemark uh, for the week was showing Avengers Endgame again, yeah, I'm, I'm probably dragging my butt out to the theater for that. Or yeah. show more. If we are not going to have new releases again till like, November or December at this point, um... Black Widow has not changed its date yet. It's November 6th. Uh, if we're not getting new movies till November or December, movie theaters need to really sit down and think of, okay, we're not making a lot of money with Tenant or Unhinged or New Mutants. Do we offer more showings of older movies? It, you got to weigh the pros and the cons of what's going to end up making you more money. Yeah. Because I, I want, if I'm not getting new movies, show me some of the classics, but we're not getting that either because they have like, certain requirements of you got to show our movie and only our movie like our local regal is showing like 10 of its 24 theaters are showing tenant i'm like guys you have like two people in your theater come on you can you can allocate those theaters to better uses um now one movie that i might get some flack for but i don't care i've never cared if i get flack from people is i've said even before the pandemic I said this back in January. I said this back when this movie was announced. This movie could be the best of the year that makes no money. And I'm, <laughs> of course, talking about Denny Villeneuve's Dune. Um, The trailer has just been released. And I think the trailer looks awesome, if not incredibly, incredibly vague. And in this case, vague is bad because there are diehard sci-fi fans out there that know what dune is i am not one of them 
I am a diehard movie person. I know Dune because I keep up with movie stuff. I am not your target demographic. The target demographic for Dune is the people that don't keep up with movie stuff, that don't keep up with sci-fi movies, that might have heard of the original from way back when. I don't think this trailer did a very good job at all of getting non-Dune fans excited for this movie. Mm. I think this trailer looks very cool, and it does the whole, look how many famous people we have. You like Timothy Chalamet? We've got a lot of Timothy Chalamet. You like Zendaya? Who might only be in this movie for a little bit. We got Zendaya. We got Rebecca Ferguson. Yes, because, y'all, Rebecca Ferguson's going to be a big thing one day. She's awesome. You got Jason Momoa, who says my boy, but not my man, and it makes me a little sad. We're, we're, we're so close. You got Javier Bardem. We've got Josh Brolin. We've got Oscar Isaac. Okay. What's the movie about? We've got Oscar yeah. Isaac. Um, what, what's the weird... What's the worm... That's like, uh, that's like when they're trying to sell sell us on uh, Last Jedi. I was like, guys, we've got all this cool stuff. We're back for another, t- another run. Another uh, episode of Star Wars. Okay, cool. What you got? We got more Kylo Ren. All right, cool. We got more Oscar Isaacs. Okay, cool. What's it? What's it about? And how's it connect? Gonna connect to the whole story? We got more Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. Oh I, man. You and I both love Denny Villeneuve. You're a big Blade Runner twenty forty nine fan. I yes. I think Prisoners is one of the most underrated movies I've ever seen. But also, you're gonna want to watch like a thousand hours of puppies after that movie because it's so dour and somber and serious but it's it's so good um the problem is with denny villeneuve movies is they're excellent movies that nobody goes to see in theaters because blade runner great movie made diddly squat at the box office and no one went to see it and this movie looks so expensive and they've already said oh yeah when this comes out we're gonna we'll start working on part two i'm like that's if you get a part two, guys. Like, it's awesome that you have literally all these famous people. And the cast looks outstanding. The visuals look outstanding. This trailer needed to show why the average Joe Schmo should care about this movie. And I don't. Um, and I think... Yeah. I've said since this movie was announced, I don't think the general population cares about Dune. And the marketing for this has been like, this is the next Star Wars Dude, this Star Wars, this current generation of Star Wars is not Star Wars. Star Wars is lightning in a bottle, and to say you're the next Star Wars is kind of setting yourself up for failure. Don't get me wrong. I want this movie to do well. I really do. I love Denny Villeneuve. I don't think it will, though. I think, and you and I have talked about this, I think it might go the way of Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets or Jupiter Ascending or John Carter. Not necessarily the quality of those movies, because John Carter's awesome, um, but in terms of bringing this really, really out there and fully immersive sci-fi world and getting general audiences to care, it's easier said than done for a lot of movies. And I I just don't know if this is going to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. It's because I did get that Star Wars vibe from it, but like a gloomy, um, not gloom, gloomy is not the word, but like a darker, like a, a, a Zack Snyder Star Wars with a better storyteller. <laughs> I mean, is what I'm going with. You know what I mean? I, it's that's the vibe I got. It's just it, but I thought it was like you said. I thought it was cool. 
I thought that it would be something that I would like to see, but much like you as well, I, I, I know of Dune, but I don't know what it's about. I don't know what happens. And I can tell you from the stuff I've seen before this trailer. Yeah. That looks like Dune. Yeah. I was like, there's, I, I still don't know what it's about. <laughs> it's like, okay. The one thing I know about Dune is they have sandworm things like Lake Placid, not like Placid, like Tremors that I got that from the trailer. But other than that, I, I don't know. Um, sure, you got your Timothy Chalamet Netflix people. They'll be like, oh, it's Timothy Chalamet. I'll see anything that he's in. And we're like, will you, though? Because, like, <laughs> I don't know. This movie just doesn't do it for me. However, a trailer that I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on, and you shouldn't, is a little movie from Blumhouse called Freaky. So, Freaky has probably one of the most clever ideas that I've heard of in a while. Picture a teen slasher movie meets Freaky Friday essentially of this high school, timid high school girl swaps bodies with serial killer Vince Vaughn. I I was just on Twitter one day when I saw this was like blowing up my news feed because I got a lot of horror stuff that I follow. So it's like fine, whatever I'll watch the trailer. And within the first couple minutes I was just like Okay, I kind of really need to see this movie because it's by the same guy that did, uh, admittedly, both Happy Death Days. But the first Happy Death Day gave me enough goodwill that I'll be like, okay, I, I'll give you another shot. I didn't love Happy Death Day 2. There's some good things in it. I thought just Jessica Roth's performance as Tree was even better in the second one than the first one. But the story, there's a lot of stuff that, that was like a dangling plot thread or just repeats from the first one. Um mm-hmm. But this has such a clever original premise and some jokes that actually landed for me. But the thing that I think will make or break this movie is something that I didn't think I'd be a big fan of. But I, but here I am. I think Vince Vaughn is going to make this movie. For those that don't know, Vince Vaughn is like slowly building himself a pretty good resume. Um, because as Josh and I can attest, y'all need to watch Fighting With My Family. Yes. Vince Vaughn is so good as this um, made up. He's like the only made up character in the whole movie, which is weird. Um, But he plays this ex wrestler who more or less didn't quite pan out, but has is now teaching the next generation. And you get more interesting backstory about him. And he's a very interesting character. And I thought, okay, I just know Vince Vaughn is a funny guy, but he can actually do Mm -hmm. a lot more than that. And, I'm not going to say he's the next Jack Black in terms of pretending to be a teenage girl. Um, but he at least he at least got a couple <laughs> chuckles out of me. <laughs> but at the same time, though, like, who was it? I, um, I've got a friend at work who said she hates Vince Vaughn. Not because he's a bad actor, because he's an incredible actor. But he's got a stupid face, and every time you look at him, you just want to punch him. But, um, shout out to Kara. Uh, but he looks great in this trailer. Like, and with you say, like what you said with the Freaky Friday meets, um, just like a teenage slasher. Like it's dude. And like how we do, we never have a girl killing people in these movies and it's gonna be, that's what's gonna be happening. And I'm super excited to see if they, Oh, 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 I see you, Nathan. You got You got a point. You got a point. What you got, buddy? I will say 
as much as I love this trailer, there's one major thing that dings it for me is you blatantly stole the best Friday the 13th kill with that fridge, with that freezer scene. I was oh, like, yes. I'm watching him going, really? You stole Jason X's best kill from the whole franchise? Come on. <laughs> Which, like, of all of all the movies to steal from, why Jason X? <laughs> because... I mean, J- I love that movie. I mean, you and I love that movie, but it's because it's hilariously bad mm-hmm. but the kills are super unique something you won't see in the in the rest of the friday the 13th series but i like i really like the idea of a girl killing like we never we very rarely and i understand it's because statistically like women do not they're not that's not a thing they they do but I use air quotes because it's very, very could very be just we don't catch people. But I like the idea that now a grown man who does not have a good looking face um, has to convince the police that a teenage girl has switched souls with him (laughs) and is killing people, even though if they have ever sweeped the place for Prince, it's all going to be his Prince. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, it makes me really, really curious how they're going to resolve everything. Because, like, yes. if he gets one kill off, then basically he's just right off as, oh, yeah, it was the teenage girl. Um, Like, it's a catch-22. And it make, that makes me go, okay, you've backed yourself into a corner. I really want to know how you get yourself out of this writing quandary that yeah. you put yourself in. Which makes me that much more interested. Some of the jokes, I think, really, really work. I think, like I said... Vince Vaughn is going to make or break this movie. And I, it's, he's at a weird point in his career where I fully trust him. It's super weird. Um, had I not seen Fighting the Family, I don't think I would have as much faith in him. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. Now for a movie that Josh is not excited about at all. Because hey, I like to torture Josh. Um, but Scream 5, or is it just Scream? They haven't really clarified if this is a sequel or a... Or a reboot or whatever it is. So Scream has slowly but surely been adding a whole bunch of its original cast members like Courtney Cox or David Arquette. Um, I'm still waiting. Technically Hayden Panettiere didn't die in Scream 4. I would like if Kirby came back but I, I don't think she will. But the one holdout was always Sydney, played by Nev Campbell. Well a holdout no more. She is joining training camp. Um, Nev Campbell is returning for Scream 5. While she's not my favorite horror movie heroine, she's up there. Um, I've always liked Nev Campbell's Scream. I know you don't particularly care for the Scream franchise, but as a character, it's hard to to say that Sydney isn't at least a solid character. Even when the movies are bad, she's at least okay. the, probably the best thing about them, and she's always felt at home in that role more than anything other else. Do you think... They would have the guts to make her the killer this time. Yes. Is that a hope, I, or is that what you actually think? I, I want the whole series to burn down. I don't know. I've just never been a scream guy, so I, I would say they could take some notes from how Halloween is uh, doing their movies right now. I mean, I know you and I are huge Halloween fans, but... I think having if you're going to do a modern take on on an older slasher film like we don't do slasher films these days anymore because they don't work they don't scare people 
So you have to do something new. You have to do something unexpected. Maybe Courtney Cox ends up being Ghostface and kills everybody. I don't know. You know, like, which is something I know you have been really wanting. I've been wanting Courtney Cox to be the killer since 4 because I, going into Hot Scream 4, I thought it got leaked for me or spoiled for me that Courtney Cox was the villain in 4. So I went into the movie expecting her to be the villain because her story kind of made sense of just like, I was a big time news reporter and then all of a sudden, nothing, no one listens to me anymore. So what if I create the headlines myself? Well, spoiler alert, she didn't end up being the killer and she's just another cast member. I would love it. If we get to kill off a friend, um, that sounds. Oh, <laughs> ho- you! Oh, you! Now, now, if that happens, Josh is going to go see it. No, yeah. You see, honestly, and and this just ties. It, it'd be so weird to have two things that I dislike combine into killing somebody that represents another series that I don't like. So it's like, uh, dude. It's a weird fever dream that I never thought I would ever want, and uh, I kind of want now. <laughs> Let's be honest, though. If we had to kill off somebody from Friends, it wouldn't be Courtney Cox. It would for sure be David Schwimmer. We would for sure have to kill off Ross. Like, that's non-negotiable. But yeah. the only no, person that... I, well, dude, yes, please. Like, literally bring him on. Bring him on screen for no reason other than for him to be a weird cameo kill. He, like, I'm perfect. I'm okay with that. He's uh, he's the, what's it, the kill at the very beginning of every movie. He's the famous person that dies within the first five minutes of every movie. I, yes. I, I would be down with that. Make a quick Friends reference and then kill him off. Um, speaking of someone that should have been killed off a long time ago. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, maybe that's a little harsh, but... It is no secret that Josh and I are not the biggest fans of Rey from Star Wars. Um, I will say, in her defense, she started off with so much promise. I liked Rey a lot in Force Awakens. She peaked at Force Awakens, though. And now it seems like Daisy Ridley has confirmed some stuff that we already kind of guessed. And that's that there is no organization whatsoever with Lucasfilm. <laughs> so Daisy Ridley, in an interview with Josh Gad of all people, um, Josh Gad seems to always be trying to get Star Wars information out of Daisy Ridley. Even when they were on Mor- Murder on the Orient Express, they had all those funny videos of him going, "Can you give me some information, Daisy? Can you? Uh, how's your day going? Are you in Last Jedi? Who's your parents?" Well, the parents question apparently was tossed around a lot in the planning process, as Daisy Ridley said. Apparently, originally, the plan was for her to be a Kenobi. And having now seen Rise of Skywalker, I was never a fan of the Kenobi idea, but God, that's better than being a Palpatine. Because just... Uh, yeah, she said that JJ told her that they're considering being her, her being a Kenobi. She's like, cool. And then a few weeks later, he comes back to her and says... Uh, we might have you be uh, Palpatine's granddaughter, but we're not sure. And she's like, okay. It just kind of shows me that, oh, yeah, they are flying by the seat of their pants on this one. I had no idea where they were going with this. So, um, Ray was almost a Kenobi. Josh, yay or nay on that one? I... My biggest issue with Ray 
And it has nothing to do with the fact that she's so powerful. I'm okay with that. I do think she should have earned it in some way, shape or fashion. Like didn't like, it wasn't like, Oh, I don't know my force powers. Oh no. Uh, in force awakens. And then by last Jedi, all of a sudden she's like perfect. Um, but whatever, uh, as far as having her be a part be a granddaughter of e- even Palpatine, but definitely a Kenobi, the issue that pertains that I feel like no, at least nobody in the corporate level talks about is that at some point, these people that she's a granddaughter of would have had to have sex. Nope. Actually, no. That, no. Again, we go back to Rise of Skywalker doesn't explain anything because Rey is technically the clone offspring of a clone. So her dad is a rejected Palpatine clone. And if that's not confusing... A lot of stuff with Rise of Skywalker is very, very critical information that they just, you know, cut on the editing floor. Oh my goodness. So yeah, her dad was a Palpatine clone. There's, I, you and I. How would the force, the force level, how would that transfer through a cloning process? Oh, you you don't know. There's one word. Midi-chlorians. I hate you. No, like, think about it. They probably want to bring it full circle back to the prequels and be like, oh, yeah, this was this was probably George Lucas's idea. I bet you anything they'll probably just write it off and say midi-chlorians. But this just I... it just shows to me that they had no plan whatsoever. Um, None. I think I've wanted for a while for her to be a solo because I always got more of a brother-sister vibe from her and Kylo more than anything else. If nothing else, make her a skywalker make them cousins i always got more of a familial bond and if it's the skywalker saga then yeah it just was kind of an odd choice or if nothing else just stick with the last jedi answer if she was nobody she belonged to nobody and she just comes from nothing that's fine too i've always thought the palpatine thing was the worst possible choice that they could have had and that yeah i hmm. yeah because when when he drops that answer in last jedi I was both disappointed and satisfied at the same time because there's always going to be a part of us that wants it to be like, oh, he's a Skywalker. Oh, he's a she's a Kenobi or what? Like, be something big. But the answer of her parents not mattering makes her matter so much more. I I think at least, and so in that way, it was a really smart answer. And then, yeah. Then Rise of Skywalker happened. Which, again, we don't mind Rise of Skywalker, but it I would have a lot less issues with this new trilogy if it was just one person from the get-go. If it was just Ryan Johnson from the whole thing, or if it was just JJ for the whole thing, but having an idea of what you're doing from the get-go, it was just bad. And I think it's funny that already people from the sequel trilogy are going, yep, I'm washing my hands of this franchise, never touching it again. Daisy Ridley said she's not coming back, John Boyega said he's not coming back, and frankly... I don't blame you guys. You you put up with a lot of crap, a lot of mismanagement, and again, we need to get our little signs out. Please just fire Kathleen Kennedy at this point. Um, I know J.J. Abrams gets a lot of hate for Rise of Skywalker, but I don't pin it on him fully. I think he's partially to blame, but people seem to think that he's an incompetent filmmaker because of how Rise of Skywalker went. I'm like, y'all loved his Star Trek movies. You loved Force Awakens. Um... 
Well, you can't and, yeah, get mad at somebody the, for one it, bad day at the office. Yeah, well, in Rise of Skywalker, it can't be completely his fault. I mean, we can blame all Kathy Kennedy, but, like, it's also Ryan Johnson's fault as well because the way that um, Last Jedi was written was that he wrote the whole series into, into a corner. So, I mean, it can't be just J.J.'s fault. I mean, he had to figure out how do you how do you take two movies worth of storytelling that kind of stopped in the second film and then create a convincing final chapter to the whole Skywalker saga. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, he was kind of set up to fail. Like, it wasn't, in, in my opinion, did it as best as he could with what he had. I mean... Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, while weirdly paced, is, to me, still a lot of fun. Yeah. I think, actually, the movie that is the most to blame for Rise of Skywalker and the issues that it has is not Last Jedi. That's the easiest movie to point the finger at. I don't think it's Last Jedi's fault. It's going to be weird, and I, I... I got the tinfoil hat for this. Oh, look at it! We brought the tinfoil hat today! Of course, it's the 100th episode. I think the movie that's the most to blame for the lack of success for Rise of Skywalker is Avengers Endgame. I think Lucasfilm and Marvel, Marvel was just like, this is the end of our 10-year saga, our story that we've been building up forever. And then they paid it off. I don't think Star Wars ever planned for Episode Nine to be the culmination of the whole nine-film saga. I think they planned for it to be the end of the trilogy but then after seeing the success of endgame a few months before they're like well crap now maybe we should pretend that this is the end of everything we should make this big emotional ending um to the point that they even try and recreate the portal scene from endgame with all the ships showing up at the end tell me Mm -hmm. that that isn't just some coincidence i feel like lucasfilm went okay marvel's working oh you're doing some big this is the end of our grand story that really wasn't what we are intending to do, but um, maybe we can make it that in the edit. Because you could tell Rise of Skywalker was all across the place. And maybe maybe someday we need a discussion topic of like movies that were either ruined in the edit or had a lot of post-production issues like this. Maybe we'll do that uh, before the Snyder Cut comes out. Because mm, yeah. Justice League also, you can tell, was hacked to bits. But... This is just, again, insight of what were you thinking, Lucasfilm? Oh, that's right. You weren't. And uh, <laughs> it, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. Well, Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week before we get into our Q&A and our big announcements. <clears throat> Today's episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast is brought to you in part by viewers like you. Gosh dang, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I knew it. It I... was perfect. I want it. We need like a uh, like an old sitcom uh, track over that. Like oh, Like distort <laughs> distort the audio and everything. So it's like an old talkie. <laughs> Alright. So our discussion this week is literally questions that you guys have submitted to us and at some point during these questions, after a couple of questions we will pause we have some major announcements for you guys that we'll be going over, and then we'll get back to the questions. That sound good to you, Josh? Uh, that works for me, man. All right. Our first question. Time travel. When does it work? When does it not? Linear time, time loops, time branches, 
parallel times. So I think um, this person's asking, like, what works for us and what doesn't in time travel movies? It's a little bit complicated for me. So, uh, Josh, you start us off. Like, I know you're kind of more hesitant on time travel movies, but Mm -hmm. what works for you for a time travel movie? What doesn't? Is there a particular type of time travel movie that you prefer? Um... So the I forget his full name all the time, but the guy that wrote um, that created Rick and Morty, uh, he's been quoted as once you add time travel into your to your series, you all create all kinds of unsolvable problems. Um, and while it worked fairly well in Endgame, it left way more questions than solutions. So. I guess my answer is like, is there a way to make it work without issues? Not really. I I don't think so. Unless you're super, super like diligent on tracking all of your events and being like, okay, well that, that happened here. So we're going to make sure we tie that knot, tie that knot, tie that that knot. Like it just in a lot of ways. And maybe it's just um, how you present it to the audience if you make it so that the audience feels the need to have a payoff that it has to, everything has to be like fixed at the end of the movie. And then we just have to be okay with that. If we go back as the audience and watch the movie again and find all these issues that you've created, it kind of negates the whole premise of your story. In my opinion, at least. I think for me, um, time loop movies are a whole lot easier to do than time travel movies because you're kind of stuck in the same spot and since you're repeating everything there's no real consequences for the most part um like the stereotypical one that everyone goes with is groundhog day um a more recent example one we talked about earlier is happy death day which the first one i love because it was a really clever concept that used it incredibly well of slasher movie Except with Groundhog Day. And they even mentioned Groundhog Day in Happy Death Day. It worked. Um, so I think time loop movies um, work better and are more cohesive. That being said, I still like time travel movies. They're just, I'm really, really picky about them. I know you don't like Back to the Future. I like the trilogy because, and here's my secret for time travel, is if you're going to do time travel, you got to make it as simple and as streamlined as possible. You, the more elements that you try and add to your story, the more it's going to get complicated of trying to juggle too many balls in the air. Eventually, something's going to drop and you're not going to catch it. Back to the Future, it's pretty self-contained to basically a weekend, a really long weekend, focusing primarily on two characters. And they're the only two characters that really know something's wrong. Once you bring in other factors, it can get a little more complicated. So yeah, I think Time Loop is the best choice. Um but time travel movies can be done. It's just really, really complicated. Um, yes. And then he brought up parallel timelines. My When I hear parallel timelines, my immediate thought is um, Prisoner of Azkaban, when they have the time turner and they go back and kind of see themselves, mm, okay, okay, which okay. Um, maybe it's just me. That confused the crap out of me as a kid. I'm going, okay, so are they always, like for the rest of time, going to make sure that they're trying to avoid their past selves or, mm-hmm. or 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 what i just was so confused and still to this day if i think too much about it it confuses me um 
but I, I like a good time travel movie. It's just that I'm so picky about what I like and what I don't like. Like, a lot of people like Ryan Johnson's Looper as a time travel movie. I don't. I think the logic does not check out on that movie, at least for me. Yeah, I so I, I'm thinking best example for me, at least if they were different, going to do like a time travel movie, I'm thinking in the interstellar because it does hear me out. The movie itself is not great. And the science is while interesting, it doesn't necessarily help the story. In fact, I think it might confuse it and they never really explain a lot of things. However, I enjoy the fact if we're talking about time travel that, at no point do they say, oh, we're going to go back in time and help things. Like, it's more of, oh, okay, I can affect things in the past in order to help to help the future kind of thing. So, I mean, it's 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 an accidental, and it doesn't it, – they don't build the whole – they don't, quote, unquote, build the whole movie around it. While it is built all, all the way around it, it's still not – it's done without the audience's knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's also still the movie that told us love is a science that calculates theoretical physics. Going, it's possible. You don't know. You're not a scientist. <laughs> it's a movie that also thinks it's a lot more subtle than it thinks with the one evil human literally being named Man. I'm going, really? Really, Christopher Nolan? You're better than this. You're, the <laughs> yeah. movie looks right, awesome. What, what, what we got coming up next? One of my favorite questions we've ever gotten. And it's a question yes. that I've been screaming to high heaven myself for many a decades. Why have they not done a live-action version of Frog and Toad? Yes, Hollywood. That's a good question. Yes, Hollywood. I'm staring at you. Why have we not gotten a live-action Frog and Toad movie? But also, my other crossover that I want. Why haven't we gotten a live-action or animated? I, either one will be fine with me. Probably animated because it would be terrifying in live-action form. But where's my Franklin Little Bear crossover movie? Dang it. I'm not content with it just being a toothpaste commercial. I need an actual Franklin Little Bear movie. And where's our Redwall series? Well, I mean, I know why we don't have a Redwall series, but where's our Redwall series? Because you and... Also, um, hey, uh, Netflix, at what point are you going to drop your Magic Treehouse series, huh? Mm. That's still in production? Well... No? Okay. Well, see, I think we're going to get Magic Treehouse a lot more sooner before we get Redwall because you and the four other four... Four other homeschoolers that actually remember Redwall are asking for it. <laughs> Whereas Magic Treehouse is still an ongoing series that probably is close to 50 issues now, but whatever. Um, but okay. okay, this isn't part of the question, but I'll ask it to Josh anyway because I like throwing him off his game. If, okay. Okay. if a studio came to you and said, we are finally stop dragging our feet and we're actually going to make a Frog and Toad movie, animated of course because live action would be horrifying and someone would probably step on them um you are tasked with finding the two voices for frog and toad who are they um oh i see his face um actually you know what i've got it perfect it's perfect um benedict cumberbatch and um oh jeez, oh no Bill Baggins, um, Martin Holmes, Freeman, um, Martin Freeman, Fra Martin Freeman. There he is. Have those two do it because it, it would be adorable. You can't tell me they ha don't already have good chemistry, and it would be adorable to hear Martin Freeman's voice coming out of Toad. See, I I'm not big. On, I I'm down for the Martin Freeman thing. 
I love Cumberbatch like nobody's business. I don't want him anywhere near Frog and Toad. And maybe because okay, that's fine. That's and maybe fine. because I think uh, his voice isn't the right fit. When I read Frog and Toad, they're like super, they're mellow. They kind of remind me of low, uh, Discount Burton Ernie, basically. Um, okay. With a more muted color palette. They're like if, <laughs> it's going to be a really oddly specific description, but I'll stick with it. Frog and Toad is like if Burton Ernie were drawn by A.A. A. Milne, who did Winnie the Pooh. Okay. So, like, I think more okay. calm. My gut reaction is maybe because it's something I already am kind of familiar with. But whoever voiced Paddington in the live-action Paddington movies? Yes. Okay, okay. So, so do have that voice for Frog. Because Frog is the, always the emotional center. He's like, Toad, it's cool, bro. Don't worry. It's going to be all right. And then Martin Freeman obviously has to be Toad because... Martin Freeman does stress like a stressful voice so well it's it just it'd be so funny it'd be a great dynamic I'm trying to think of somebody else that's like I, I don't know um might maybe like <gasps> Simon Pegg oh yes yeah. I am so down for this somebody book this Oh, Simon Pegg is Frog and Martin Freeman is Toad. Oh, and make it like your animated slash live action that like uh, from the Disney mo- Disney remake movies. So it's like almost real, but not quite real. Just, oh, dude, let's go. Let's do this. Somebody book it. Oh, I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> okay, like I need a bucket list of I cheered. And I almost lost my voice in Avengers Endgame when Cap lifted Mjolnir and we got the assemble scene. There's a couple things left on my bucket list that would actually get me to cheer louder. Um, Sinister Six, Nightwing, and full seriousness, Magic Treehouse or Frog and Toad. Like, Frog and Toad. Oh my gosh. Um, also, a good Superman movie, but um, I don't think that's happening ever in our lifetime. I've, I've, I haven't given up hope. Um, now, this next question is right up Josh's alley. Um, I'm so excited about this. You have no idea. <laughs> who would you cast for a God of War movie, and would you rather it be done in Greek God of War setting or Viking God of War setting? Josh, you has the floor. Um, First of all, I think it w- it's really wild that we're getting this too because our first episode ever was talking about uh, whether or not uh, video game movies can work could work and i used god of war as an example that i don't think it can work because it's there's too much complicated storytelling anyway for the expanse of the question for the world of the question um i think if you do god of war you gotta start in greece because that's where his that if you follow his story can, uh, canonically you have to i would say you'd have to start in greece because what stuff what happens in the Nordic world in that part of the story, it doesn't have as much weight unless you have all of this other stuff that happened in Greece kind of supporting that emotionally. Um, while you tell me what you think about the story, play, the story placement, I got to come up with a name because I, there's, oh, I don't know. I got a name. I don't know. Look, dude, I don't have, I don't have somebody who I got off the cuff. Cause so, you're you're gonna have the same issues that I do with like Uncharted. Up, you're like you're too close to it. I think. Yes. I actually thought you were gonna say Vikings, just because it's it's you. You bleed Nordic. Um, I'm gonna. I was gonna go with Greek too, 
but not for the reasons you said. I'm treating this movie like it's completely detached from the games. Um, because I think that's part of the magic of God of War. Of you don't need the games. You have such strong lore and characters that you can do your own thing and take inspiration from the games. And that's probably how video game movies should be. Of don't just try and exactly copy a plot of a specific game, but take inspiration from it. Um, I would go with the Greek just because, and we can fight. I don't care. I think the Greek god mythology is much more interesting than the Viking mythology. Um, okay. Actually, <laughs> if it was up to me, it wouldn't be either one of those. It would be Egyptian mythology. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, to be fair, is where I think the series is going. I anyway. think it's going to. Um, so you can feel free to shoot this idea down. That's totally fine. Um, this is just something I've been brainstorming. Uh, maybe about an hour ago. I didn't put a ton of thought into this, but what else is new? If I had to, Kratos is probably one of the hardest... It's easier to cast Nathan Drake than it is Kratos. But yes. if I had to cast Kratos, i go Dave Batista. I don't hate it. I think that's I a, I think, I think that's a lot better than some other choices. Like, some people want The Rock, and I'm like, I don't think The Rock would fit. See, and I don't... I don't like, yeah, no, 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 I don't, I it had nothing really against Dwayne, but, and again, if you would have asked me probably like, I really, honestly, if you would have asked me a year ago, I had somebody had said, Hey man, Dave Batista for God of War. I would have said, no, absolutely not. But I think Dave has continuously shown that not only can he act, can he act, but he consistently gets better and better and better and better. And I think he's got enough facial emotional range to tell a story of a man who speaks only when necessary. And also, um, he's slowly but surely expanding the types of movies that he's in. Yes, he's typically the big mm-hmm. brute, but like he was a different type of character in Guardians than he was in Spectre, a different type of character than he was in like Blade Runner or Stuber or clearly a different type of character in Dune. So I think he's got the acting range. He's he's still kind of getting there as an actor. He's not quite there yet, but of all the people I've seen, I think he would probably be one of the better choices or out of left field pick, really out of left field pick. But what about the guy that played Drago in Creed 2? Okay. I can kind of see it. I uh, the issue, only issue I have is he's. I think that's his only movie. Yeah. Because I think he's actually a boxer. Um, yeah. Yes. I'm gonna throw the same name out that I always throw out. Uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, <laughs> we're getting to the point. I need a jar for for Tom Hardy co- uh, references, but it could. Uh, I, I honestly, I, I'm, I still stay by stand by my ground that I don't think a God of War movie could ever work. Um, but you know, you're we'll too close to it. You're too close to it, man. I and see, and I think I am. Um, and I'm okay with that. If anything, if the next games don't explain, explain it, do it about his, um, how he got to the Nordic lands. Do it. The, do a movie about that in between line or between Greece and, 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 uh, Norway. I mean, who knows? Um, can I, can I do the next question real quick? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I like doing I, this stuff. is my this is my favorite question um, actually. Because <laughs> I think I think this one might um, lead us really well into our first content drop. 
um, potentially. Uh, so, um, okay, what okay. is your favorite Easter egg or crossover in any any series? For example, the crossover between Night Nine and uh, New Girl is pretty epic. What you got, Nathan? Favorite crossover? Crossover? Mm-hmm. I have my favorite Easter egg more than anything okay, else. Okay. Okay. Um, so some people might expect me to go something in the MCU, like, um, I almost said the spider signal at the end of Civil War, like, made me have happy tears, but believe it or not, it is not. It is from a horror movie. Josh is probably going, interesting. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm not surprised, but... Yeah, that's not surprising. Um, from one of my favorite horror movie sequels, Halloween H2O. I was going to say Resurrection. That's your favorite <laughs> Halloween sequel. <laughs> so, for those that don't know, Halloween H2O is set 20 years after the original Halloween, and Jamie Lee Curtis is now uh, going by a fake name and is now a school teacher out in California, no longer in Illinois. That doesn't really matter for this Easter egg. What does matter is Jamie Lee Curtis, in real life, is the daughter of famous movie actress Janet Lee. Janet Lee is most known for the 1960 movie Psycho. In Halloween H2O, we actually get a scene of them together. Um, um, Laura, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is outside, and she bumps into her mom and startles her. And her mom says, oh, it's Halloween. I think everyone's entitled to one good scare, which is a nice reference because that's a line from the original Halloween. But not only that, it's a... Um, there's a couple of Psycho references with her mom because her mom was in Psycho. It's this great scene of mother and daughter, real life mother and daughter, being in a scene together. There's also one of Janet Lee's final performances. So you get this nice coming full circle with horror. And also, as Janet Lee's character is leaving the scene, she drives away in the same vehicle she's driving in Psycho with the Psycho music playing in the background. Hmm. I'm just mm. like, that's a cool, bring it full circle of yeah. a nice mother-daughter, real-life mother-daughter moment, but also kind of acknowledging Halloween's roots, which take took a lot of inspiration from Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, that's that's a really cool, bring it full circle moment. Yeah, that's really cool. I, uh, in general, I don't really have a lot of, like, favorite Easter eggs. Um, I mean, I, I think seeing spider-man have the the web wings was really really cool something i never thought we'd see ever. okay okay quick side tangent about that uh-oh uh-oh i hit a note i hit a note so the when that trailer came out for homecoming a few days before i did a spider-man video of like predictions of things i want in the new tom holland spider-man movie and in my original video, I said I want at some point Spider-Man to have the web wings from the comics, but I cut it out of the video thinking that was too unrealistic of expectations to have. And literally like a day or two later, the trailer comes out with the web wings and I'm just like, gosh, dang it. Come on, man. That's not fair. That's not fair. I should have included it in the video. <laughs> I, I feel you. Uh, I also really liked um, having Howard the Duck in Endgame. Um, I don't know why, but just the idea of Howard the Duck sitting there with a Tommy gun is hilarious to me. Um, so I don't really have a favorite Easter egg per se, um, but I definitely think my favorite crossover will will probably forever be Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Ooh, 
that was so good. It's really hard to beat that. Because that movie works not just as a fun crossover movie, but it works as both movies individually. Like, it doesn't skimp on the Batman, but it also doesn't skimp on the Ninja Turtles. It's like, Mm -hmm. it is the perfect blending of both, but also so many nice Easter eggs uh, for diehard fans. Like, when Shredder drops down for the first time, they do a nice slow-mo and bounce back up like he did in the 1990 movie. Um, or just little touches. I was like, oh, this is clearly made by a fan. Dang it, man, now you got me wanting to watch Batman vs. Ninja Turtles. Um, but, um, you got any other Easter eggs? Are you ready for some, uh, some content drops? Let's drop something, my man. Let's do this. So we got three big announcements. One really big one we might save for later. Um, what, Let's save it. What, what should we discuss? Um, the, the video-related stuff. The five good things related stuff, or the other one. Let's uh, let's start with the the smaller two, and then we'll save the big one for the end. Okay. Um. So we we do have to apologize for something ahead of time. Um. We promise that going forward, all episodes will be live. Yeah, that ain't happening, guys. Um. Like big. Yeah. It's just a logistic nightmare trying to be live every single week, as we're discovering. Um. Big episodes like probably every 50 or so episodes will probably be yeah i'm done we'll, with that we'll be live however we've come up with a good compromise we will no longer be doing five good things on the podcast good night everybody no <laughs> no what we are going to be doing is five good things will no longer be on the podcast it will be its own video segment that will be airing live when we do it so you won't have five good things topics the first monday or tuesday um the first Tuesday of the month anymore. We'll pick a day of the week. It might be once or twice a month. We will tell you guys the movie ahead of time. So if you guys want to watch it, then when we talk about it in its own video segment, we will be airing that live. And you can come interact with us. We'll talk about how bad the movie was, if there was anything good that you guys found in it. Um, just have more interaction with you guys. Um, and we Five Good Things has always been one of our favorite segments. Even when we started doing it... Um, as videos in college so we're we're trying to get back to more of that of make it more of the video format but also kind of bring you guys into it of it's worse so far with the podcast format but also we would like to do more five good things going forward and also kind of expand our video related content on the uncharted page besides just podcasts because we know listening to an hour two hour long thing is not for everybody and that's fine but we want to offer you different types of content going forward so five good things is now going to be its own video related project but oh that's far from the only video related project that we've got coming up um what's another thing that we've got on the docket there josh so we're doing the we're taking five good things live at least bare minimum one time a month which is to me that's super exciting like like you said like We'll be able to interact with you guys a lot more. It'll it'll be more of an opportunity that is that harkens back to the whole reason you and I started really doing the podcast, and that to create a community that loves watching movies. And we want you guys to be able to interact with us on those because we don't always have the best opinions. We we're aware of that. So it's we we like to hear from from y'all. And it's get true. Those. Josh so, has terrible opinions. I'm terrible at a lot of things. <laughs> Tom Hardy is the answer at all times. Um, but something I think both of us are super excited about is um, twice a month, 
on the YouTube page will be dropping videos, solo videos of just of just Nathan and then just I, just me, just I, just me. Um, <laughs> if nobody's taking care of Shmi, who's me? Shmi's Josh, me. Anyway, Josh is off to a great start with the talking, doing videos. You know. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm great. I'm so good at this. But um, the benefit of this will be, like we like we said, like Nathan said, we'll be able to expand the amount of content and amount of ways you guys can watch because we understand that you don't always have two hours to just chill and watch and like listen to a podcast about two guys talking about movies um, and crapping all over Zack Snyder. Uh, <laughs> so to in order to expand a little bit and to kind of show what we're capable of and stuff that we talk about stuff we want to talk about each video will kind of just be its own thing. Like I'm, I've both Nathan and I have already been writing these. They're very unique and very different from from his and mine. So there will, it'll be an opportunity to really show what he and I are capable of. And just another way for y'all to interact with us. Um, I don't know if you want to, say anything yet but Josh, do you have any particular topics that you can kind of tease for the people at home um my i mean i can I, i'll drop what my first one's gonna be if you want yeah i got a couple that i'll i'll tease for yeah, some people yeah yeah so the idea of storytelling is obviously something that i've always held close to my heart and i think it's something that is very important when it comes to films um so my first video i'm gonna be ex- exploring the idea that can you tell a story so well and so cleverly that despite certain characters in the film being incredibly annoying, you can still get your point, not just across, but still blow it out of the water. Um, of course I'll be using Babadook as an example, uh, because no matter if you really like the movie and the kid is, and sometimes the mom is incredibly annoying. But I would still say that the movie tells the story very well, and I, I'm going to explore and do a deep dive on that. It'll, but yeah, what about you, Nathan? What's your what's your uh, what you got dropping? Uh, my first one out of the gate, whenever we start regularly doing these videos, is um, those black bars that you see in movie theaters when you're watching stuff at home. Sometimes they're on top and bottom on your screen, sometimes on the side. What is the point of those black bars? Why don't all movies have the same aspect ratio? What are the what is an aspect ratio? Why do some movies look the specific way? Why do certain movies only fill the frame a specific way? Stuff like that. So, I know it's specifically niche, but it seemed interesting to me. And the more I dive into it, I'm like, that's interesting. Of, I remember um, when movies used to have full screen and widescreen options, we'd always watch full screen. And now I don't know if I ever could. And I'll explain why watching something full screen that was not intended to watch be watched on full screen is a bad idea. There's just a mm. aspect ratios are a very interesting and tricky topic that might get a little complicated, but I think we can weave through this together. Uh, and then as we get closer to Halloween, I'm toying with the idea of going through all the classic Universal monsters and ranking them based on their movies. Off nice. their initial movies, not their slew of garbage sequels. Um, but like Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Dracula, Invisible Man, because he doesn't get nearly enough love. Um, so stuff like that. More just... 
specific videos that we've wanted to talk about so you don't have to sit around for like an hour or two you can sit around for five or ten minutes and watch just traditional youtube videos we want to expand our content we've got another video related topic but we'll save that for last because it's the one josh and i are probably the most excited about and have been planning the most um yes um but josh you ready to get back into some questions let's go my man all righty um why is a sequel to a really good movie more times than not really bad (laughs) um this this word is going to come up a lot money um money 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 because a movie gets a sequel doesn't mean it should have gotten a sequel. Just because a movie made a lot of money doesn't mean we have to revisit. I think the, the big problem with sequels is sequels walk this fine line of you want to give the audience stuff that they've seen before that's familiar to them that they know that they like, but you can't completely retread things. And it's this dangerous line that a lot of sequels do of either veer one way of way too far in the opposite direction from the first movie or way too similar to the original movie a la speed to cruise control it's the exact same movie just on a boat like t-pain um yeah i think it's it's a matter of sequels often are really just tricky and you have to thread that needle it helps if your first movie sucks because the worse your original movie is and you somehow got a sequel out of that you have nothing to really prove you can improve a lot looking at you annabelle creation or ouija origin of evil um but like look at the good sequels that you think of like t2 or empire strikes back Uh, those are movies that remain a some parts of the original story but go in a new direction while not completely taking it crazy but sometimes that might work like alien and aliens are two completely different movies but both really work for what they are um agreed josh why do you think sequels more often than not are bad yeah it's like you said it depends on why they're making one because more times than not it's a company going hey man we made a lot of movie off these of this a lot of money a lot of money off these movies. This uh, first installment. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and um, greenlight a second one. Well, not always is the film written to have a sequel. Much like you you can kind of see in what we brought up already. Sometimes in a Star Wars movie, if you don't leave some open ends, it you can't write a sequel because there's nothing to, to, to bring it off of. Not, nothing to tie those knots. So it, it, it just depends on why it's being made. Um, why does it happen so often? Because so often most directors write movies not expecting to get another one. And in my opinion, that's great because – and that's why sometimes one movie is so good because the director puts everything they can into it because I might not get another chance at this, so might as well go, go full out. Um, so you're saying I – mean, That was the case on like New Hope like George Lucas went all out. I mean, he had a full, you know, story plan, but he didn't know if he was going to get another chance at this. So he went all out on new hope. So you're saying he had one shot, one opportunity, mom spaghetti. Stop. Stop. Never ever badly rap Eminem to me ever again. I'm I'm white <laughs> enough. I'm white enough. You are. You are. I'll give you that, man. Um, all right. I'll take a second. Let's take another one. Yeah. Well, the next one is very similar. Why are there sequels to bad movies and not sequels to some other to some good movies? Again, money. 
Um, <laughs> bad movies, Transformers, make a lot of money sometimes. And those... Hollywood doesn't care if a movie was great or not. Like, what's a movie that we both love that didn't make a lot of money so it's not getting a sequel anytime soon? Um, John Carter. John Carter. Well, the critical reception on that wasn't super great. No, but you, um, and, I, you and I really enjoyed it. Yes. Um, it all depends on the money going into it. Some movies, um, like an Annabelle or a Ouija, their first movies could suck, but they weren't made for a lot of money, so it wasn't a big investment. I think one of the big secrets to the success of John Wick is these movies aren't made for a lot, and they make a lot. So obviously they're going to get sequels. Sometimes yeah. bad movies just make a lot of money. And that entices yeah. studios to revisit that franchise and keep milking it until they don't make money anymore. Whereas other times, there's good movies that just don't make money. Like we said, Blade Runner 2049 is an awesome movie that made no money. That happens. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's as much as we want to think Hollywood is all about entertainment, Hollywood is a business first, entertainment second. Yeah, it's and it, like like it's why you see a lot of often unnecessary sequels in horror films because you don't have to make uh, horror movies don't cost a lot of money to make you can make a lot of them and uh sometimes you make double what you put into them so it's it, it's it's a unfortunately it just comes down to money so i got a really blunt answer for this next one why do they oh, have yeah. to why do they have to kill off black widow and iron man in endgame because Iron, because say it with me, Iron Man has deserved death for about five to six years now, and the Grim Reaper finally paid to came to collect because Iron Man has frankly been long overdue to die because he's actually the biggest villain in the MCU, but y'all don't want to acknowledge it. Um, I don't care if that's a damn popular opinion. He he's basically the cause of a lot of the problems. Of if something goes wrong, it's the team's fault. But if something goes right, it's all my it's all my doing. I was the one that saved everything. It's just, yeah. I, I would cried when Iron Man died, but it was more at the funeral of seeing everything that was created f- from him. Don't get me wrong. I like the first Iron Man a lot. I think it's awesome. It's everything after that first Iron Man where he kind of becomes a villain, and I don't like him, and he's kind of deserved death, even to the point of just like, well, I got my hen- happy ending. Screw the five billion of you that lost your family i don't care about you like yeah black widow on the other hand dude black widow on the other hand black widow on the other hand i would say short-sightedness um (laughs) is what killed her now we can't fully say yet because we haven't seen the black widow movie um i thought going into it going into endgame black widow was almost a lock to survive one because she was getting a movie and two at that time, she was the only girl on the team, and it's still the optics of it looks kind of weird that you've killed the only girl on your team um, until you can replenish your roster. But maybe we'll get more information in the Black Widow movie, but I I still think it was a really dumb choice to kill off Black Widow and not Hawkeye, because Hawkeye at least had an emotional reason of, like, I want to do this to bring my family back. And it actually would have completed his arc better with the whole Ronin thing of go from full-on murder to self-sacrifice at the end of it and it had would have had more an emotional gut punch but i I don't get the black widow thing whereas iron man because that guy deserved to die even if you all don't want to admit it (laughs) yeah i mean i have not been quiet about 
Iron Man either. While I really enjoy, you know, Iron Man one, really everything after that, Tony's kind of a selfish. He's just not a good dude. He he's the main cause of Age of Ultron. Um, he's the main cause of Civil War. Um, I don't like he. He's just he causes all these issues, man, and he, he caused... he's the one reason there's dissension on the team. He also causes almost all the major MCU villains like Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Far From Home, Ultron. It's just like people over and over again. I'm like, if the next Spider-Man movie is somehow connected to Iron Man, I'm going to flip out. Just come on, guys. They just milked the Iron Man cow too much. So I'm glad he's dead. Um, Now for a really serious one. Someone asked... How does Marvel proceed with Black Panther? This is tricky. Um, because... This is tough. Um, you want to respect the legacy of Chadwick Boseman. And from all the reports that I've heard, Disney has no plans for Black Panther right now in terms of they want to do something with it, but they want to take their time to respect Chadwick Boseman, which is the right thing to do. Um, they want to think about how to move forward with honoring him because... I guarantee you this movie is going to be delayed because Ryan Coogler, the director, said he had a script with Chadwick Boseman involved. So I bet they have to go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. It's tough. And thank I'm really thank God I'm not the one that has to be in this situation to make the really tough decision because Kevin Feige didn't even know. Um, thank God I'm not in the tough position to have to make this decision. Um, but... If it was up to me, I don't recast Black Panther at all. I I make someone else Black Panther. I think their long-term goal, like how Sam Wilson is going to become the new Captain America in the Falcon Winter Soldier series, I think their long-term plan was to make Shuri the new Black Panther. I Mm -hmm. think this speeds up those plans. I agree. I think this is not like a Dumbledore situation where Richard Harris died after the first two Harry Potters, but he was a supporting character that eventually got more role, more prominent as the series went on, and you could recast him. This is the face of a major franchise in the MCU and was going to be going forward. Like, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe we could talk about this in the question later, but I think we might have gotten some a Fox character or two in the next Black Panther movie. Um... So I bet you they have to go back to the drawing board. Um, But Chadwick Boseman had such an impact on culture. um, And that character of Black Panther was so iconic for so many people that no matter who you cast, if you do recast him, it's an impossible task to recast them. So I think you acknowledge the life and legacy of Chadwick Boseman. And you don't have T'Challa be Black Panther anymore. You have Shuri in that role instead because I think then you don't just seem like you're pushing him aside and replacing him with somebody else. You're yeah. you're acknowledging what happened, and you said we're we're more or less we want to, he wouldn't want us to stop, so we're gonna keep pushing forward. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna leave that hole in the movie, so y'all still remember Chadwick type of thing but that could just be me it's a it's a tough decision either way josh if you were in charge of marvel which thank god you're not um yeah 
I mean, for other reasons, not for, just to, to, on the Black Panther, but yes. But yes, if you're in charge um, of Marvel, what's, what's your call on this? I agree. I um, You've got to find a way to be respectful of Chad Chadwick's memory because, like, yeah, he only had one movie, but his impact was so profound that he got a huge – the, the um, theater blew up. He was the when first he comes one out of that portal. He's the first one that comes out of the portal. He's, you know, Ibambe, like, bro, like, you can't, he's not a character you can just replace. Wakanda forever. So I agree that I think you find a way to make her, his sister, the new Black Panther. I think also. To me, hmm. that says you have to somehow figure out to do an on-screen death. I'd do off screen just because I don't know if they have any footage to use. And also, I so, think it would be hard to. I mean, it'd be tough. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm struggling with this because I, I, I don't like off screen deaths. And that's because of how much horror movies we've watched. Because I think you and I know in a horror movie, unless you see the, unless you see the body, it, they're not dead. Um, so I. Maybe. It's just tough because, like... Maybe they don't kill him. Maybe they just say he has moved on to somewhere else or he's an ambassador no, somewhere else and we don't see, see him. Like, I don't... It's a tough that thing. Language would mean, that language would mean that he could, he could come back. Yeah. And I need I need Chadwick to go out like a boss. I need that black... I need T'Challa to go out like a boss. Um. So to me, I don't know if you do facial, but... He almost has to die on screen. See, I, I think that's and, worse. Which is really, really than dying off screen. I don't want to have to put his family in that kind of position, but like, so the 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 vision I have in my head at this particular moment is this, and you can give give me feedback on it. Tell me that I'm being disrespectful or what have you or whatever. Um, let's say there's a mercenary because I'm going with the rumors of that what that were kind of leading up to what black Panther two was going to be. Um, let's say there is a unknown mercenary who's calling, causing all kinds of havoc on the outskirts of Wakanda screaming that he's, you know, claiming that he's, he's the ultimate hunter. He's going to do all these things and he ends up, I don't know, let's say, let's say like, holding a village hostage or something and T'Challa has to go out and uh, to try to stop this because it's on his borders um, and let's say Craven launches some kind of trap to where he dies, that T'Challa dies in the suit in like the opening yeah, see, in say, suit, 30 minutes of the movie if you do it in suit I think that's a little easier so you don't have to. Yeah, that, that that's what I'm saying is it ha- it almost it has to be in suit because otherwise you have this really awkward. While I understand why they did it in like in Rogue One, you could you, you got to have a young Carrie and she's not young anymore, but it still feels weird. We haven't we're not there visual effects yet wise to be able to do a not just a face replacement but a complex emotion face face replacement and it's we're just not there i but i think if t'challa as black panther goes out in the suit and that's how he dies he dies protecting the people of his country 
I think that's the best way that he can go out. I unless unless you do off screen, but if that's the case, I don't know how you do that. See, I think off screen, it, it's that's just the better option. It's just so here's here's why I say maybe don't kill him off screen and maybe he's just being an ambassador somewhere because it leaves the door open if Marvel ever wanted to recast him, they could down the road maybe in five or six years from now if they wanted to i'm not saying they should or if they will i'm saying if they say he's off somewhere else but the title has now fallen to shuri to be black panther it leaves the door open if if they decide they ever wanted to bring back the character t'challa to be played by somebody else it at least leaves the door open to the possibility but again i'm glad we don't have to make these decisions and also it's Craven was not the people was not any of the characters I was referring to with the Black Panther rumors. Yeah, uh, but I see. But I thought he was rumored. There's been a lot of different rumors I've heard. No, I think that was a rumor that we were just like that'd be cool. No, the two rumors that oh, I've okay. heard is okay, it, heard it could be either Namor the Submariner because he's also the, okay. a king of Atlantis. But I've also heard some Doctor Doom rumors, which I can I I would I would be okay with that as well. Yeah, either um, way. Yeah, it's just. There's no easy way out on this. Um, either way, you're going to make enemies. There's going to be some people, no matter which direction you go, there's going to be some people that don't like it, and you're just going to have to accept that. Um, but I think as long as you make it as respectful, if you want to keep it around, for leave it open-ended, fine. Okay, but he's still you still have to have a good reason for him to leave, a good reason for him to not be around. Um I still say you have him go out, go out protecting his country, because. Um, but it's it, I, it would be so hard emotionally to watch him, like physically die on screen. So I I don't know, dude. It's it's a tough thing. Yeah. Now that thankfully that's the more worst of our hard hitting questions, but also that's yes. I feel like that's a question that's on a lot of people's minds. Um. Next one. Why do they change the storyline of a good book when they turn it into a movie? Well, okay. again, like before, it's a one-word answer. Time. Not money this time. Time. Um, yes. Like, uh, it's the exact opposite problem of The Hobbit. Hobbit's like, what, 300-page story that they turned into three extended edition movies? Um, that could be a movie, in a movie or two. That's fine. The problem is... Um, it's all garbage but anyway yeah it is um the problem is if you have a really really beloved book that's got all this dense detail you still have a set amount of time to make that into a movie and adaptation isn't always the best thing like we always say there's some things that work on a comic book panel or work in a book that just might not necessarily translate into a movie but also yeah books are structured differently than movies of movies there's certain trajectories in the story that people just kind of expect and they kind of get mad when it doesn't necessarily go that way um and so books you can do you tell a story in a specific way movies you can tell in a specific way so you sometimes you have to change the structure from a book to a movie just to fit the medium better because they're two different mediums it's like a video game movie it that's part of the problem is you have to change how you're interacting with it originally um but i think yes. it's mainly time but also it could be budget thing like 
people are always complaining about Harry Potter going, you cut out this, that, or the other thing. It's like, well, there's some things that are filler in the book that you really didn't need in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And people are like, I want a full Harry Potter TV series that covers every single thing. Y'all know how much money that costs? Like, as much as we want something that's adapted from our favorite book or whatever else, like page for page, verbatim, we, just because we want it, doesn't mean Joe Schmo down the street's going to want it like that too. As yeah. much as that sucks to hear. I want Whoa. a perfect Three Musketeers movie. I might be in the minority in that. And I completely acknowledge that. The Three Musketeer fan base is not a really big thing. Um, but I'm never going to get a completely comic, uh, not comic book, completely book accurate Three Musketeers. And that's fine because yeah. I have the book still. So I think, yeah, and it, it depends on, there's a lot of factors. I think time is definitely one of them. Um, I think flow and pacing are something that are way more obvious in movies than they are in books. Um, it, you are more likely to sit in a movie and say, okay, guys, this is dragon. Come on. We understand where we're going with this. Come on. We got to push through here. It's a, it's a much more, it's a faster medium. Um, example, uh, I might be, I'm take pulling this out of my butt because, but it is one of my favorite movies that I have read the book on, um, perks of being a wild, uh, a wallflower. Um, I, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, Oh, that seems super cool. I'll, it's based on a book. Okay, cool. So like I went and got the book based off of the trailer alone and read the book. And then a few months later, the movie came out. Um, so I saw them, I read the book and saw the movie relatively close within each other. And there's not much different, not much difference, but what they do change in my opinion was a good thing. It, there's certain ways that they tell the story and certain ways that they pace it that make sense. For example, the, um, so if you haven't watched it, I'm sorry, spoiler, spoiler, but I mean, Perks of Being a Wildflower has been out for a really long time. Anyway, the main character is, was sexually molested by her, by his aunt when he was very, very young. And uh, he bl- and then as soon as like one of the last times she does it, he him as a child is very angry with, with her and wishes that she was dead. And she leaves the house and instantly gets in a car wreck and dies. And so like it's like a traumatic experience for him because his brain blocks what she did to him, but still he still blames himself for his aunt's death. So in the book she gives it away like the writer gives it away way early um not by saying it but like hints at it too often to the point where you you're like okay i see it so when it happens you're like okay wow we're finally saying this but in the movie they hint at it they don't hint at it as hard so that when it is revealed it hits harder so i can say you can sit here and say we really want this specific thing that happened in uh, in Harry Potter. We really want this specific scene from the books, and that's great. I'm gl- I'm so glad that you love that part of the book. But sometimes it doesn't fit the pacing. Yes. Sometimes 
character those that character development is already going to happen somewhere else in the movie and is done in a more powerful way somewhere else in the in the, in the movie um case in point two hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy is a huge book like we're talking this thick and the movie's only an hour and a half so how do you pack all and there's so much stuff that's not in the movie but it doesn't have to do with a story that they're trying to tell so are movie adaptations of books always not always just not going to have everything from the book yeah absolutely because like like we said time pacing like it just it's not possible to have a page for page recreation because it's going to feel weird regardless it's also a matter of um books no matter how hard they try books are not a visual medium movies are a visual medium you could have a whole page of a book describing a scene and then a movie can show you it in a single frame it's a different understanding and a different medium so sometimes you just have to change it to adapt the medium better um sometimes it works for the best like harry potter uh five order of the phoenix the movie is significantly better than the book because the book drags on in certain areas whereas the movie is able to cut that down and go okay we're going to condense how awful umbrage is into these key scenes so you kind of get an idea if you want a more fleshed out thing you can read the book so you understand it um Mm -hmm. speaking of literary characters next question is how many different versions of the story of robin hood does the world really need all of them how dare you okay when somebody Uh, asks this question you touch you you touched a very specific nerve when you asked this question (laughs) like y'all don't know i'm a not so closet robin hood fan have been for years because i grew up reading the great, great illustrated classics of like Robin Hood, Treasure Island, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Three Musketeers. Um, I loved all of those. So I've read and reread uh, Robin Hood so, so many times. And I've been dying for a good modern Robin Hood movie. To me, there's two excellent Robin Hood movies. And only one of them is serious. And one of them came out close to 30 years ago. We're that far away from a good Robin Hood movie. Um, I think the two best Robin Hood movies are Robin Hood, Men in Tights, which is my all-time favorite comedy, but it also still works as a really good Robin Hood story because it's still Robin Hood, and then fall very, very, very closely behind. Like, they're neck and neck. Let me guess. Let me guess. The Russell Crowe Robin Hood. I do have the power to mute your mic. I will do the rest of the show by myself. I will do the rest of the show by myself. I don't care. No. Fall very, very, very closely behind by the old Errol Flynn Adventures of the Merry Adventures of Robin Hood, um, which holds up surprisingly well. And it's the movie that um, Men in Tights is partially based off of. It's partially based off of that and the Kevin Costner one um, with a terrible accent. We have so many versions of the Robin Hood story because he's public domain. Um, Hollywood <laughs> loves movie characters that they can get for free that's why you see so many king arthur movies well i haven't seen one since charlie hunnam because that movie was awful i hate that movie so much 
Uh, that's why we get a lot of King Arthur, why we get a lot of Robin Hood, why we get a specific type of Sherlock Holmes. It's it's a weird thing. Half of Sherlock Holmes is public domain. It's a really it's really really weird. So anything leading up to Sherlock falling off, Reichenbach falls and dying is public domain. Anything after that, when he becomes more, when his character starts to shift a little bit, that characteristic of Holmes and any stories after he comes back to life is not public domain. It's super, super weird. Um, what in the world? I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's your fun fact of the day of shocking Josh. Um, <laughs> that needs to be, that's going to be a segment on the pod every now and then. Yes, it is. Josh gets shocked all the time. Yes. But that's why you see so many Robin Hoods, Three Musketeers, King Arthurs, is because Hollywood don't like to pay for the rights to anything. Um, and if they can get it for free, they will. That's why we get so many, but also. Why we haven't had so many good ones. The thing is with like Robin Hood or King Arthur, Hollywood likes to take and mold those stories that were told hundreds of years ago and try and fit them into the narrow child's toy funnel thing of whatever is popular with current cinema. Like big sweeping epics like Gladiator. We get the Russell Crowe Robin Hood. We get shared cinematic universes. So we get the Taron Egerton robin hood and we get the charlie hunnam king arthur they always try and force feed them into this mold that they don't really belong into that's why it feels like we've had so many because there's been so many weird incarnations that don't really stand out because they're not really the versions that they're supposed to be they always go like it's the dark and gritty what do you get about robin hood and his merry men is dark and gritty to you literally all they do is rob from the rich steal from the poor basically get really really ailed up hang out with monks and just hang out in the woods they're hippies like how is that dark and gritty to you and also like king arthur yes there's some war but that's like still old school knights and chivalry and stuff like that it's you can't force a circle into a square peg it just doesn't work that way um so yes you hit a very very specific nerve person that asked this question because yes I love Robin Hood so much, and we haven't gotten a good one, but that's the reason why we get so many versions of specific characters, is they're free, and you don't have to pay for it, because yep. Hollywood's cheap. Yeah, it's... Welcome to uh, to uh, another episode of uh, Josh Learning Fun Facts with the Sherlock stuff. Um, <laughs> so, I think that segues us pretty well into our... our final content reveal do you want to do that or do you want to do our last two questions i think i said we saved those a little bit because i think we can I have some fun on those. that last one i do have a few to, to kind of pop up okay so i say it's time my dude so we're gonna announce some stuff but um we'll just let the opening video yeah we'll just let the opening video describe it for us As you can see, we have a new idea in place. Josh and I talk all the time about pitching ideas. We all, we're always bouncing ideas out there. So we thought, let's make that 
an actual segment. So, let us be the first to introduce you to a new Uncharted Media concept and video series, Pitch Off. In which case, each episode, Josh and I will be squaring off against each other in a friendly competition to see which of us can pitch a better movie or story idea out of a particular character, team, group, concept, idea. Um, We've been floating this around for a while, so um, without further ado, I figure it's time to reveal what our very first pitch-off topic will be. We're going to come out swinging. We're going to pitch... Our idea of the MCU version of the Fantastic Four. How we would introduce these characters and do their own movie in the MCU. So we have a lot of different ideas. So basically it's going to be Josh will tell his idea. He'll do a full run story rundown and everything else. And then I'll do my full story rundown. And at the end... You guys decide whose idea you'd rather see on the big screen. And that, that's how Pitch Off is going to go. We won't do it every month just because given how much headache we've had already trying to crack a Fantastic Four story, it's a lot of... Guys, you might not know this. It's a lot of work to try and come up with a movie from scratch. Um, <laughs> like, case in point, I have read so many fantastic four comics already i've drug up all my individual issues which is close to like 30 to 50 comics that i've got from my uncle um over the weekend i just picked up another one to add to my collection of like this is supposedly like one of the best of all time so i'm just like okay i need to keep researching researching it's the yeah it's the oh is that og series yeah it is oh that's the first time the silver server happened that's super super cool yeah, I got the set with, uh, written by Stan Lee and John Byrne with artwork by Steve, by Jack Kirby. So no one knows Fantastic Four better than those guys. Um, so yeah, we've been doing a lot of research. We will do it for every yeah. single pitch off. Um, so yeah, basically we will have our idea. Basically, we're going to walk you through a movie basically that may or may not exist someday. Um, so I won't give you too much away, but um, I will say... My Fantastic Four movie will be the first Fantastic Four with no Doctor Doom. So uh, let that be a tease for you. And it might not be as hard as you think to come up with a story without Doctor Doom. Let's try it sometime, shall we, Marvel? <laughs> I think the the thing that we're learning, too, is not necessarily that a Fantastic Four series is hard to write. It's hard to write from scratch and find ways to connect it into the current universe and make sure that you set it up so that it doesn't it's it you can move forward with it it's not like it's uh, its own specific thing i think you and i were joking at one point we're like well we've been teasing it for for like a month to two months a little late to back out now <laughs> so it's it's definitely i wouldn't say it's been a bit more than we can chew but it's definitely been one of the most research most research I've had to do for something that wasn't college related. 
But that's the fun of it. And um, this is kind of new territory for Josh. It's not necessarily new territory for me because if you've been with Uncharted Media channel long enough, you'll remember not one but two videos that I've done over the years for Star Wars of how Episode 8 could work and how Episode 9 could work, which, not to pat myself on the back or anything, but um, those are how the movie should have gone, um, specifically <laughs> Episode 9. Um, but yeah, in the future, as you can see in the video, we're going to do Fantastic Four first, but at some point we'll do, like, how we would pitch a Green Lantern movie or a Man of Steel 2 or a Nightwing movie. Maybe even, maybe, this is just an idea I'm going to float out there, maybe reworking some movies that have already happened. How would mm. we have done? How would we have pitched Rise of Skywalker? How would we have pitched a Van Helsing? Or how would we have pitched a modern version of a universal monster movie um a whole bunch of different ideas and if you guys have any ideas of what type of stories we should pitch that you think okay here's a movie concept work in those parameters let us know we want to be challenged so this might be like every two or three months type of thing but yeah we're really excited basically writing stories from scratch for you guys and you will decide whose story is better and nine times out of ten it's gonna be mine just saying that now wow okay all right, okay. All right. I will say now we're, we're Josh and I are on the same page. I will say Josh has given me his opening scene from his Fantastic Four, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little nervous, because um, <laughs> I'm like, crap. That's that's. I don't know what your story is. Your story could be crap, but your opening scene is really good. Um, Dude, I will say we will get to Nightwing at some point, and Josh, there's no way you're beating me on that story. I've had that in my back pocket for about six months. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> okay, that that actually was more or less the catalyst for this whole series was a Nightwing video that I was supposed to do at the beginning of quarantine because I had it all typed up and ready to go. I'm just like, that's around the time we started floating the idea of doing pitch off. I was like, why don't I just save that in the back pocket for a while? Because that's like an eight to ten page full fledged fleshed out script that's already done and ready to go. So uh, good luck beating me on that one, Josh. But I'm I'm looking. Hey man, you you know me. I am always open for a challenge. And honestly, after, if I can crack this uh, Fantastic Four, I I don't know if a lot will be able to stop me. Oh, yeah. I think Nightwing is a lot easier in Fantastic Four because it's only one character as opposed to four. But I'm looking forward to it because Josh has a different perspective on things than I do. He focuses on different things. Um, I focus on different things than he does. So, um, but at the same time, we're we're similarly minded so it's kind of fantasy booking and i think that's gonna be a lot of fun if nothing else gives us just a flex of creative muscle and you guys can enjoy some campfire stories more or less than anything else <laughs> basically that's basically what it's they're gonna fancy, be they're fancy campfire <laughs> stories but um let's get back to our final two questions um have you seen the new x-men it's new mutants they're not technically an x-men movie but um no um no i haven't i in, i don't really want to not- I see, but I and I still really wanted to. I just haven't gotten around to it. I've been between. I mean, now that y'all are seeing everything that we're dropping, we've been planning like a lot, and I've been trying to write this Fantastic Four stuff, and like uh, work has picked up, and I've done picked something else up on the side. So like it's, I've been busy, and with the pandemic thing, I have I I just I don't trust theaters quite yet. I that's totally but I fine. don't think I'm I'm wrong in in that either. Um, oh no! If you don't feel safe in theaters, that's totally yeah, a prerogative. Yeah, but I mean, I will definitely check it out at some point. I'm not gonna. I, it, I, 
You can wait. You can wait till it's on HBO Max. It's going to be on HBO Max eventually. That's my thing is I'm not hearing it's very, very good. Um, I kind of want to laugh in Christopher Nolan's face of the first movie that I saw, the first new movie I saw in theaters since theaters have opened is not Tenant. It's two idiots in San Dimas, California. Yeah. And yes, Bill and Ted Face the Music is a much better movie than Tenant. I haven't even seen Tenant, but I don't need to see Tenant. You know what would be really funny? If Christopher Nolan was in the next Bill and Ted movie? No, if Bill and Ted were the voices of uh, uh, Frog and Toad. <laughs> you joke. You joke. <laughs> but how great would that be? Keanu does have a pretty relaxing voice. It would just be a matter of getting a hold of Alex Winter's agent, because given his like box office career, I don't even know if he has an agent or if he just shows up on sets randomly, because... <laughs> Keanu just kind of calls him and is like, hey, man, you want to make a movie? Basically. Alex Winter for John Wick 4, please. Oh, dude. Have him appear. Oh, I'm down. Let's go. I'm down. Right, book it. He's the guy that actually runs the Continental. Dude. Or he's just like some... He's uh, he's one of John Wick's friends that he like goes and gets weapons from or something at some point. I'll be down. And our, so down. our last question of the day. Very vague, but... Any future MCU theories? Uh, they specifically say Black Widow or the future or anything else. Um, I've heard rumors of the Thunderbolts being in Black Widow in some capacity, which doesn't overly excite me. Uh, the Thunderbolts are kind of like the Suicide Squad, except they don't die. Led by Thunderbolt Ross from Civil War, who turns into Red Hulk. That doesn't really excite me. Um, yeah. I'm still... 100% on the train of Avengers Tower is getting turned into the Fantastic Four Baxter building. I think that's been in the works yeah. since before the Fox deal. I think the Fox deal being on the table, it Kevin Feige always had two options. Um, it's either going to be Oscorp or the Baxter building. And they talked about when they were making Civil War, of they had two different scripts of the movie. One with Spider-Man and one without, just in case anything fell through with Sony. I think Kevin Feige has had two scripts of what to do with the Avengers Tower, one if the Fox deal goes through and one if it doesn't. And now that they it has gone through, I think that's going to be the Baxter building. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I have some theories with Fantastic Four, but because I'm a tease, I'm going to save them for my pitch off for Fantastic Four, which I don't think we said, but um, the first one, Fantastic Four, it will be on the main channel. We'll release the date at a later time, but it will be up by the end of the month at the latest. By the end of September, we'll have Fantastic Four on the channel. Setting a deadline for both Josh and I, pencils down type of thing. Um, so you guys be on the lookout for the inaugural episode of Pitch Off where we pitch to you a Fantastic Four movie in the MCU. Uh, but Josh, do you have any MCU-related theories? I don't, not really, no, because um, I don't really, I don't know where they go from here. Um, I have heard one, though that I would be very interested to hearing your take on. Uh-oh. Take yeah. on me? Yes. So, <laughs> the theory I have heard, it comes for Black Widow. Because it is, it does take place after Civil War. Mm-hmm. The theory that I've heard is, in order to beat the Taskmaster... Natasha and her sister switch faces 
and so to the point where the Black Widow that we see die in Endgame is not Natasha. Yeah, I've heard that too. I don't like it just because it it feels like a retroactive retcon type of thing. Of yeah. like a um just eh, like it yeah. just it doesn't work for me because it just feels like a we we know we made a horrible mistake killing her off so quickly. So um we're not we're gonna bring her back. But also yeah, this is gonna sound really really mean. But if I have to choose who I want to be our Black Widow going forward, we can either bring back Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow or have Florence Pugh as a new up-and-coming Black Widow. I'm sorry, but Scarlett Johansson has to stay dead because I'm much more interested in Florence Pugh being an up-and-coming Black Widow because, dude, you and I have been high on Florence Pugh ever since fighting with my family, and she's only gotten higher up on my awesome list. Um, Yeah. Because... Like Haley Steinfeld, to me, um, Florence Pugh is a signal of quality more often than not. Like, um, Midsummer wasn't for everybody, but her performance in it was awesome. I heard she was great in Little Women. Um, she's just awesome, and I would much rather her be the face of the franchise. I know we've spent a lot of time with Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, and people want her back. Um, but also, it would just feel cheap if they just swap bodies. Yep. I will say... Um, I do have another Black Widow theory. I think Taskmaster is a woman. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah, I've heard that as well. I think it's what's her face from she, the Mummy. I think it's yeah, um. It just I can't. If oh, they what's her bring, face? if they bring Natasha back, it just feels so much like the comics where you know no one's actually dead. <laughs> Which and they, that, just, uh, that cheapens that to me. That would cheapen her sacrifice in Endgame so much. The MC already has a fake death problem because you can count on double digits. The only people that stay dead in the MCU are Quicksilver, basically. And uh, and Uncle Ben. Well, Uncle Ben, <laughs> Uncle Ben, unfortunately, isn't in the MCU because Tony gets to be Uncle Ben, and I hate every second of it. Of just no, like, it's going to be happy. No, because the problem is Uncle Ben is the catalyst for him to be Spider-Man, and now that he's already Spider-Man, it wouldn't really make sense. Like, I know I've said Happy would be a good Uncle Ben, but... The fact that we have never addressed Uncle Ben and we're already a few movies into Tom Holland's run and we've never once mentioned Uncle Ben really, really bothers me because of how important the role of Uncle Ben is to the Spider-Man mythos of just like, nah, he, he's, he's not upset about Uncle Ben. It, Tony's more or less the Uncle Ben here, including being dead. I'm just like, it really, really bothers me in far from home when mysterio has that dream sequence and you see the headstone that's like uncle ben oh it says tony can we please get past this tony thing like i hate the spider-man reliance on on iron man spider-man is not iron man jr spider-man is spider-man um so can we please just acknowledge um uncle ben at some point please um okay fun question Given the age of the current Aunt May, who would you cast as an Uncle Ben? If it's not happy? It's not happy. I just, I know, I mean, but like you and I have talked about it, like, if, because Happy and and uh, Peter are, are already pretty close, so it would be, in my opinion, they're closer than Tony. Anyway, um, given the age... Colin, uh, 
Oh, jeez. I mess his last name up all the time. The guy that's playing the penguin. Colin Farrell? Um, yeah. Nah, that Colin could Fer- be fun. Colin Farrell always plays a character that always comes across as a little sketchy. I mean, that's fair. Uh, that's because Colin is sketchy. But <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, okay, well, then if not him, you need somebody who's homely and so... <laughs> Vince Vaughn? No. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I think my brain's too set on happy being the, like the quote unquote Uncle Ben. Which, again, I wouldn't mind it so much if, like, un- if Uncle Ben wasn't the catalyst for being Spider Man as a whole. Yeah. Um, any other MCU theories before we bring this thing home? Not just Black Widow, but any future projects? Um,. Not really. Uh, I'm trying to think of stuff that's on the horizon that that because everything's been so frozen lately. It's I don't know. Um, I think Suicide Squad. If we're going to talk DC real quick, I think Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad's going to be a much bigger deal than we're letting on. Um, With I Starro. Think, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. If they don't, if they don't make captain marvel likable i i don't see much of a future for our next section of stories unless they bring in the the family so this is my this is my crackpot theory if captain marvel 2 doesn't register with people like the first captain marvel like first captain marvel sucks i hate it a lot a lot of people it didn't really register a lot of uh younger girls did, and that's awesome that you have your hero to look up to um like a wonder woman um black widow captain marvel did not do it for me i think if it continues to not work out with captain marvel i know they have a lot riding her on her i see them shifting focus from captain marvel to miss marvel i can see that who's getting her own series on disney plus is an avengers game that looks like trash and plays like trash um, but also maybe, maybe this is just my crackpot theory, not getting the hat out and too lazy, but there is a significant moment in the comics involving Captain Marvel, involving some specific mutants that may or may not forcibly take her powers away from her. And maybe, um, maybe they're purposely making her unlikable. To do the so that she like earns her stuff back. So the Zack Snyder Superman approach, basically. Yeah. Okay, um, I can see that. I can see that. Maybe it's just me being um, too optimistic. Also, why not? I mean, if you have everything riding on Mar- Miss Marvel, sorry, Captain Marvel, and it doesn't work, that's fine. You have invisible. You have Sue Storm in your back pocket, and she's easily going to be the best female character in the entire MCU. And if she's not, you've cheated her and that's not fair so my last theory is and this is more just a kind of prediction i don't know if we'll get fantastic four and x-men until marvel's box office starts dipping i think marvel might kind of wait until they perceive that the popularity is dipping and then it will be like in case of emergency break x-men glass type of thing because it's immediately a shot in the arm if you bring in Fantastic Four or X-Men. Um, and I think for a little bit there, for lack of a better term, I think there's going to be some Endgame hangover. 
because we just saved the universe and we had our big 11-year buildup. Now we got to go back to rebuilding mode for a sports term, basically. Um, so I think if if it doesn't start ramping up again, maybe people lose interest. I think the movies won't suffer quality-wise, but I think interest might start to wane if they're just if they're just good and it doesn't seem like we have a clear direction. And if fans start to dip, I think Marvel will go. Okay, time to go. Put in Fantastic Four, um, which is the exact opposite of what Fantastic Four needs right now. And by and large, Marvel has treated their characters fine. It's not Star Wars after all, um, which if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, it's that Kathleen Kennedy's contract ends next year for Star Wars. So fingers crossed. Um, sure. So maybe, but I... I think Disney might be holding off on the Fox characters until they absolutely need them from a box office standpoint. Because if nothing else, Disney's shown that they're a business first and they don't give a crap what you want. They'll make you pay extra yep. for it. They'll be like, oh, you want to see the Fantastic Four? Well, that costs an extra $5 per movie ticket because if anybody's oh, going to do that. If anybody would do it, it's Bob Chapek because it's not a podcast yeah, episode if I don't wrong. crap on Chapek. Um, You're you're not wrong at all man which is really unfortunate um but at the end end of the day i think i'm happy with what we're building now i think at this point from this point on i think you and i are unlike sometimes like disney and marvel and they we're, we're trying to grow and we're trying to build something here and not just be two guys doing a podcast for four people. I mean, it's not, it's never been about the, the views or the audience. It's always been about you and I just talking about movies. Oh yeah. But I, I think at this point we're just trying to grow and it's still, I, I don't think it'll, it's registered that we've done a hundred episodes of this. Mm-mm. Uh, and I can't wait to see where it goes. I'm really excited about it, man. Yeah. So like, like Josh said, we've never really cared about the numbers primarily because um, peel back the curtain a little bit. The reason this podcast started was because at the time I was in a crap job and I hated every single minute of it. And I felt like I needed a creative outlet. Like I needed to just word vomit things out at any given moment. And Josh and I had never like not talked since college. We've stayed in communication, but Josh has always been like my go-to movie person because in college we did projects together all the time like five good things we did some other stuff and so um while i was at that crap job there was nothing really to do during the day but listen to podcasts endlessly so i'm just like thinking i'm thinking naively going well podcast you're just talking that sounds a lot easier than video editing because i had done videos a lot and it was a lot of work and i want to get back to that podcasts seem like a much easier thing to do consistently than videos and so far for the most part it is but it was getting this creative outlet and the funny thing is from idea of hey let's do a podcast to actual execution was probably less than a week we did not think it out it was just like hey josh want to do a podcast oh okay sure when um, you want to try Monday night? Okay. Um, and then that's basic. Yeah. That's all it's really been. And then from then it's been just, we're always trying to make it better of like getting new gear, getting new gear, Josh, getting new gear, um, learning like 
how to improve audio, but trying to always trying to make it better um, for you guys, but also just for us because we enjoy this stuff and we're kind of perfectionist when it comes to this of just like if we have bad audio it bothers me more than it's gonna bother you guys um and we always just want to keep making it better and better of adding different video related content or uh getting you guys more involved with the podcast yeah um there's just a lot of stuff that we were really excited to do uh if there's any ideas that you guys have that you want to see implemented hit us up it was like hearing from you guys josh it's been a great hundred here's to a hundred more can't absolutely can't wait for it uh there's a i honestly think our best days are in front of us not behind us um and i'm really excited for the direction of the podcast um but what do you guys think what are some things that we should do going forward and what are some of your favorite things that we've covered on the podcast in the past 100 episodes let us know in the comments below we always like hearing from you guys and as always if you like what you hear and you want to hear more subscribe to some whatever audio platform you're listening to us on whether it's itunes spotify google Podcasts, or youtube and if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media because a lot of things are going to be headed that way in the coming months. So uh, you're going to want to be kept in the loop on that. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.